I want to talk to everybody today about scopenow.com. Scopenow has been a big time sponsor of this program for quite some time. And I just love their service. I've been using them since the beginning. I'm one of their beta customers and it's been so awesome to see them grow into the business that they are today and just how they just keep reinventing themselves and pushing themselves to get more and more information. What it comes down to is, is Scope Now is a tool that you definitely need to use if you do social media investigations, any internet research, and really spending less time digging around and, and uh, looking for information, I think is one of the best points of how Scope Now can help you. Their AI platform, their analytics are amazing. You really get an idea of what you need. You're reducing the time, you're reducing the manpower that you, you're spending on doing this research because they're essentially doing it for you and uh, they're doing it correctly, which is most important. One of the new things that they're actually offering is this flagging system where you can flag behaviors and really highlight and um, look out for fraud. If you're doing a lot of fraud research, uh, this is a fantastic tool and you can set up alerts. So you have uh, particular people that you're looking at, you can actually set up alerts to get notifications when the criteria that you set up is actually um, is flagged and goes off. It's really, uh, really amazing. And their relationship and association analytics are uh, top notch, really uh, cutting edge and really, really cool. When they brought that out on version three, it was a game changer. I mean, really being able to see how people interact together and, and uh, you know, having that relationship, you know, analysis is really, really something that's cool. You know, one of the other things about being involved with Scope Now is their ability to offer webinars. Their team is cutting edge on putting together and getting out really, really great content. If you're a member of Scope Now, if you know who they are, you've seen them around on LinkedIn, you'll, you'll know that they're constantly doing webinars on these new websites that are coming out and uh, they're really staying on top of it. And don't forget, uh, any reports that you generate, you can actually white label those reports and put your own logos on and, and really make them look professional, which you know could equate to more billing for you as well. So. Check them out today. It's uh, www.scopenow.com. They're a great, great company. They should be one of the tools in your toolbox, along with whatever kind of uh, search engines you do. Uh, you need to make sure that ScopeNow is a part of that suite. ScopeNow.com. Are you a member of NCISS? Do you know what this great organization does? The National Council of Investigation and Security Services was formed in 1975 to keep a watchful eye on legislation that affects our industry. Now more than ever, there are data privacy and DMV issues popping up all over the country. Consider joining and supporting this much-needed watchdog for our industry. Learn more at NCISS.org. Welcome to PI Perspectives. Before we jump into the show, we want to acknowledge the life of F. Lee Bailey. Mr. Bailey worked as a PI, served in the armed forces, and became a celebrated attorney. If you were lucky enough and had the chance to see him speak at an event, you'd experience yourself the amount of knowledge he'd share with our industry. So rest in peace, Mr. Bailey. On today's show, we welcome Eric Devan from South Carolina. Our topic today is the art of the witness statement. Let's check in with Eric Devan and your host, private investigator, Matt Spare. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of PI Perspectives. This week, I'm really excited and proud to introduce my next guest. His name is Eric Devan. He's from Devan & Associates down in South Carolina. Uh, we actually met in person finally at the uh, Scali event a couple weeks ago. 
He did a fantastic presentation on photography, but that's not what we're talking about today. Uh, so, <laughs> Eric, I want to invite you to the program. How are you? I'm well, and thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's my pleasure, man. It was really great to uh, spend some time with you and uh, really um, see your methodology on how how you do things. You know, everybody's got their own special way of doing things, and it's so important when we go to conferences to to share this stuff with with each other. An old dog like me with all this gray hair here <laughs> can, can pick up a few things, which is good. So tell me a little bit about your background. How did you get into the business? I'm originally from Philadelphia, and I went to Westchester University, um, and I was a criminal justice major, uh, graduated in 1988. Okay. And all I wanted to do was be an investigator. Sure. All that's, that's all I really wanted to do. I, I, I thought about federal law enforcement at the time because I was right out of school, I was asked to have one year of experience unless I was fluent in Spanish or I was a certified public accountant. Okay. Which neither one of those. Yeah. So I was fortunate enough to get a job with a company that placed me in other companies as a uh, undercover investigator. And I actually worked some pretty cool jobs. Yeah. Um, I, I, um, I had an account like, or what my first job out of, school was working for a company that did that. So we had like uh, uh, employees that were watching other employees and it was a whole big yeah. network. Uh, Strauss Discount Auto was a big client of ours, um, lumber yards and things like that. And I remember like there were guys that were steering lumber at like two or three o'clock in the morning and we had to show up and, and videotape them doing it. And we only knew it was going down at a particular time because one of our informants who, you know, applied for a job there. We set it all up. They went him through and he had to have him work for a whole bunch of weeks before he got comfortable with everybody. But that was a, a really, uh, really cool experience. Hey, kudos to you to go into Westchester. Uh, it's a dry uh, campus, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Kudos, man. <laughs> it's a dry campus on paper. Let's there just you say go. <laughs> I actually uh, applied and uh, I didn't make it into that school. Yeah, it was one of the really? schools that, yeah, uh, this was uh, in 91. I wasn't the best student. I don't, you know, okay. I ended up uh, going to John Jay College of Criminal Justice in New York. And, okay. um, you know, I had to take an, a, an English 100 class. <laughs> so <laughs> who would know that I write, you know, I've written books and for magazines and things like that. You never know where you're going to go. But uh, right. all right, back to your story here. I'm interrupting you. So, okay, okay, <laughs> uh, so, so pre-employment or, or employment screening and, and all that. So tell me more about that. Yeah, I, I um, uh, cool industries. I worked for, um, I worked as a long distance operator. Okay. Um, I worked uh, for the electric company. I worked for a jeweler uh, and it would, Different, different investigations, different places. There was uh, theft of services. There was um, uh, theft. There were drugs, people selling drugs at the job. Uh, I, I got involved in, in a child pornography investigation, murder for hire. Oh, wow. So they were fun because um, uh, I got a chance to work a lot of different types of investigations where I could be uh, my alter ego and um you know work during the day and hang out at night and still get paid for it right eric evan right that you changed your name (laughs) so 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 i really i really enjoyed that but um i i just got to the point where um i felt like i I moved to another 
I moved to another company doing the same thing. And I felt like I was doing my work and my boss's work. I felt like I was doing both jobs. And so I said to my boss, I told him, you know, if I'm doing my job and your job, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm telling you what to do. I said, oh, well, maybe I need to leave and get, you know, start my own business. Right. And he laughed at me, but it it was a serious laugh. Like, you're not going to do it. And I thought about it. And the next week I gave my um, two weeks notice. Then I asked for three because I needed some time because I decided to move to South Carolina. Right. I came here for a wedding and I just thought it was nice. And I said, if I'm going to start over and I'm going to start my own thing, you know, let me start, let me start all over someplace else. Yeah. Well, also, if you think about it, like during that time with the banking industry really, really taking off, you know, the Carolinas were the place to be. Like there's, there's a lot of infrastructure and growth uh, in Carolina probably made sense. I wish I was thinking that way, (laughs) but at the time, you know, I, I was just thinking <laughs> and the weather's good <laughs> one November. Um, and it was almost 70 degrees. That's, yeah. you know, that was my thought process. Like we're getting away from this snow. And right. Well. Philly in the winter sucks. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just thinking, Hey, I'm, I'm getting away from, from this snow and everything. So, um, I, I just had a, I just had a young person's mindset. Um, but I also had an entrepreneur spirit. Sure. And, um, I thought that when I moved and I didn't know people here, I thought that moving back to my comfort zone would be a failure. Right. And so I said, no matter how lean the times were, what was going on, that I was going to make it work. And I and I, I was fortunate enough to work for um, a, a couple companies that the things that I liked that they did, I really, really liked. Okay. But the things that they that I that they did that I didn't like, I said I'm not going to do those things. However, the things that they like, I'm going to replicate from a from a business perspective. So, sure. I didn't want to be an investig uh, well uh, a detective uh, like a gumshoe. I wanted to have a PI business. Don't just want to collect money. This wasn't like a side job. Right. Like I wanted to treat this like a business. I want everything about what I did, um, branding and invoices and and how down to how I answered the phone. I wanted everything to be consistent and treat it like a business right. and let the work, which I do good work, let that speak for itself. But if I do good work and I'm a bad business person, it's not going to last. And if I'm a good business person, but a bad investigator. Again, it's not going to last. You have to be good at both. Yeah. At least initially when you start your business, you definitely have to be good at both. Then you got to develop a skill of how to hire good people (laughs) to work for you uh, and have a good team surrounding you because you get to a point where you can't do everything. Uh, You just can't. Yeah. You just can't. Yeah. And listen, it's a good problem to have, but um, your work product will suffer if you try and do everything. Um, right. and, and that was a growing pain that, that I had and, and even convincing my clients that they're okay and in capable hands with the people that are working for me. Cause I, I do have an excellent staff. I have a great team of people that work for me and right. I trust them, you know, and that, right. that's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy to trust yeah, somebody. Yeah. yeah. Especially when you have, um, we have good clients 
that um, that that enjoy your work and um, the 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 entire process. Right. And if for whatever reason you introduce somebody else into that process, um, they're they're going to be skeptical initially if the process is going to be complete the way it had been. Right. And that that's tough. That's 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 a tough sell. It the whole thing is the whole thing is tough, but um it's just part of growing. Yeah. And you know, when you when you maintain good relationships with your clients, it does help. It you know, it does help to to say that um, hey, um you aren't gonna miss anything that you had with me. Everything is gonna be the same. Sure. And and you can still reach out and call me. But yeah. in order for me to um, stay on with you, be competitive, offer you the good rate and, and do the things that you become accustomed to. Right. You have to allow me to have other people help me help you. Yeah. And the other thing is, is when you start like, uh, throwing them the rates that you charge, as opposed to the rates for your team doing it. That's the other thing too. It's like, Oh, well, you know, if you if you're insisting on dragging me out of the office to do this thing for you, I would love to do it for you. I have no problem doing it for you, but you got to pay my rate, and it's it's different than the rate for the for the other people. Uh, then like you that's know, another thing. Yeah, sometimes yeah. a client be like, you know what, I'll pay it. Yeah, peace of mind, and that's okay. I'm totally yeah. fine with that because I love doing yeah. the field work. I, what yeah. I don't love is going and, and you know, doing a, an assignment that you know is going to keep me out of the office for three or four hours where I know if I can be sitting in front of the computer, I can be much more productive billing-wise. So if you can match that rate, I'll go out and do the work. I don't, I don't mind yeah. doing it. Um, yeah. And it keeps us sharp. Like I think we, as investigators, like we have to get out there every now and then. Otherwise, the world is going to pass us by. And you lose the, the soft skills, which is kind of what we're talking about here today um, on, yeah. on talking to people um, and, and doing witness statements and really understanding kids' gloves and, and, and uh, I guess crafting uh, your end goal, you know, making sure that, that you're setting yourself up for a win by the way you ask your questions, um, which is really important. And, and everybody has their own methodology of doing things. And, you know, it, you got to take into factor region, you got to take into factor specific location, background, you know, who are you talking to? What's the end goal? Like these are really important things you have to factor in how you approach everything, right? There's no one way to do things. It, each assignment kind of speaks for itself, right? Um, yeah, it, it does. There, there are there are certain things that I think that I have uh, um, certain certain types of interviews or, or getting people to feel comfortable that that I'm a I have a significantly more I believe significantly more success with. Right. And when I say success, um, I'm always really good with getting people to talk, open up, feel comfortable. Um, but the but the the population of significantly older women, significantly older women just want to talk to me. Yeah. I don't know what it is, what it is I say or what I do. You know, it has nothing. Look at you, Barry White. <laughs> Must be that sugar voice, man. <laughs> I, just, I just, I do not know, but yeah. you know, I can get older women to, much older women to just speak to me yeah. and make them feel comfortable and make them, give give them a voice. 
Yeah. And I, although I can get everybody to speak, it's just that's the ones that seem to it works a little faster. You know, I, I have to do a whole lot less. To yeah. Get the same. I, I think also like layering truth in, in why you're there and what you're doing is so important. You know, mm-hmm. I have seen situations really turn bad when there's deception involved. Uh, I remember I was on a, um, I was training a guy, right? And we were going to a building to, to go interview some people. And, you know, this was in Brooklyn and it was a, it was a Mike Tyson area of Brooklyn. Okay. Uh, it was a tough neighborhood and there were, you know, people in front of the building that that's their building. You know, right. you want to go into the building, you need to talk to those people. And this guy got really abusive with these people and he was a retired law enforcement and you know i think he worked for me for like two or three days and i was just like I ain't working buddy right because the way he approached those people was authoritative right and you don't have a badge like this is not the way it's working here you gotta ask their permission to get in or can you help me right can you help me find this person can you i need you like that kind of stuff you're, you're now empowering them and you're inserting them within the narrative of the story, right? Here, look, I helped this guy get what he needs to do. And, you know, in that particular situation, it wasn't a criminal matter. You know, it was a civil matter. I think it was a, it was a fire in the building. We were trying to determine um, just some facts about the fire and how, well, you know, what went down as the fire was happening was really important, right? Um, so, like, the building captain was important to talk to, to really, you know, let's rally the troops here and figure out who we, uh, who we need to talk to. So, I had a nice little conversation with the, the dude working for me. I was like, don't ever do that again, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, that's just not the way you do things. You know, so you, you let the situation speak for itself, um, definitely. I had one. Um, um, this, was, this was a criminal defense case. And I go to the address where the um, uh, the the witness supposedly witness was, and it's tough because um, uh, young people have the you know the don't snitch mantra. Oh yeah. You know, and, yeah. and so the the first thing that I do is I always walk up to people confidently. And I'm not looking down at my nose. I'm not shrugging my shoulders. I always walk up really, really confident. So I walk up to a group. Um, I want to say it was like three guys on the step. And just the fact that we were having a conversation, another another guy came out. And they were already drinking and, and uh, smoking marijuana. And um, the one guy says, man, you must be police. I said, no, I'm not police. I said, I am an investigator. I told him straight out. I said, no, I am an investigator. I said, I'm a criminal defense investigator. I said, you know the difference, right? He said, no, what's that? So I said, well, you know, when somebody gets arrested, you know, just like there's, you know, have the right to counsel. They have a right to somebody to, you know, investigate on their behalf. And he said, well, you know, we're not snitching. We're not telling you anything. I said, okay, no problem. I said, hey, man, can I stay here for a second? He said, uh, you know, yeah, if you want to. I said, okay. He said, so so what's up? I said, well, you said we were done talking, but I get paid by the hour, right? So there's no need for me to leave now. He said, what you mean? I said, well, whether you talk to me or not, I'm still going to get paid. So why am I going to go back to the office? 
He said, oh, man, you get paid anyway? Yep. He said, do they give you a car? I said, no. I said, even better. I get mileage. So how's that work? I said, well, I drove here. And so, you know, I get like 56 cents per mile. Let's call it like 50 cents a mile. So for every two miles, I get a dollar, you know, and then, you know, for the time here. He said, so even if we don't talk to you, you're still getting paid? Yep. One of them had like a football jersey on, asked him if that was his team. And he said, yeah, and I'm just sitting there. He said, man, seriously, who are you looking for? And I told him, he said, man, he don't live here. He used to live here. I said, where does he live now? Oh, he live over such and such. You can catch him over there. That's where his baby mom is. Go over there now. He'll be there. Problem solved. Yeah, yeah problem solved. Yeah. And, and it, it, you, you de-escalate the situation, right? So... Um, yeah, it, it, it's fantastic, man. I, I find that when you approach situations like that, right, truth, comfort level, these are all important things. Um, I, I think, you know, like it, it's so hard when you're pretexting to remember <laughs> the lies, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> you if, know, if you, I, I, I have, I have the mindset that my job is to, is to ask the questions whether you give an answer or not yeah, uh, or whether you want to participate or not. Cause there's some people that just don't want to participate. Yep. So I'm going to go ask the questions. Now, if, if my job is to ask the questions, why am I going to be a jerk if I want them to participate or yeah. why am I, why do I need to lie or pretext yeah. if I want them to participate? Cause I'm doing my job. Yeah. So if I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, I don't have to pretend it. I'm here for. Sometimes you have to, like for undercover, or the situation speaks. It speaks for itself, right? You, you. But but, um, when when you don't have to, then then don't do it. Just you know, just ask the questions. um, uh, Be clear about why you're there. um, Answer any reasonable questions. But I'm quick to to stop people when they have a whole bunch of questions because my job is to ask the questions not right. necessarily yeah, exactly yeah you're answering questions when you're on the stand other than that yeah, <laughs> no yeah, thank yeah, you yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's cool man so we're going to jump out and take a, a quick break here but when we come back in I, I feel like we're on a groove here and i want to hammer in a little bit more okay. um on just on methodology you know how you approach this how you start off and uh you know, we'll just kind of walk into it because I'm sure you and I have plenty of war stories. <laughs> we could uh, oh, yeah, get a bunch out of this, but I want to talk technique as well. So um, everybody uh, sit tight and we'll be right back. Cross tracks case management system. That is what we are talking about today. Are you using a case management system? What are you waiting for? If you don't use a case management system, you really need to look into implementing that into your business regimen. I've been at it with Crosstrax now a little over a year, and it's just been a game changer for my business. They are SOC 2 certified, SOC 2 Type 2 certified. If you don't know what that means, it means that their encryption system is second to none. And you have to go through a whole screening process to figure out uh, if you can even qualify for that, and they have. So you know with certainty your data is being protected. I don't think there's another case management system out there that offers that same ability to have the SOC 2 Type 2 certification. As you guys know, I've been uh, you know singing the praises of Crosstracks, and uh, I really believe in this product, and I believe you should check it out. 
contact Brad, contact Pat, uh, one of the team members over there and see if it's right for you. Crosstracks case management system, check it out today. Are you overwhelmed with your current case log? Could you use some help with your skip trace assignments? With Merlin Locate Services, rather than adding staff, you can add an entire skip trace department of licensed private investigators who specialize in skip tracing. Check out MerlinLocate.com today. When you work with Merlin Locate Services, you bring on a valuable experience and trusted extension to your team. Are you an investigative professional? Have you heard about the InvestigatorsToolbox.com? Check out this exclusive online community for networking, learning, and data resource management. The Toolbox is a one-stop shop for all your investigative needs. Check out our robust collection of forums, our comprehensive learning page, and our expansive library of posts and research tools. We've just released an app for both iOS and Android, so you can access the site seamlessly right off your phone. We have also partnered with some amazing companies like Crosstracks, Delpoint, IRB, ScopeNow, the Hetherington Group, PI Magazine, PI Gear, Merlin Locate Services, Paravin, the PI Institute of Education, and so many more. They're offering over $1,250 worth of discounts and benefits exclusively to community members today. Use code PIP201836 and save 10% on your membership. That's www.investigators-toolbox.com. Check out the latest issue of PI Magazine. Bob Bakwiak graces the cover, and there's a great article on how the magazine was started. Available today. And welcome back to this week's episode. Uh, today we are talking to Eric Devan uh, from Devan Associates down in South Carolina. And uh, I want to welcome you back to the program, Eric. How are you? Thank you. I'm still doing well. Still doing well. Good. We still got you. Yeah, you still got <laughs> Good. Uh, you're getting paid by the hour, I guess, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm here for the deal. <laughs> All right, fantastic. Uh, so before we jumped out, we were talk, started to talk about uh, the methodology of witness statements. That's really what I wanted to hammer down on today. So we, we were just talking about certain scenarios of, of how you approach things. So walk me through when you get a, uh, let's say a criminal investigation, because we were talking about that a little bit. Uh, attorney calls you and uh, they, they want you to talk to like three or four people. Um, how do you approach this? What's your mindset um, in, in going into a particular area? Do you um, go on Google uh, satellite and look at the area to kind of understand what you're getting yourself into? Like what, what's your approach on these things? Um, so the first thing is I want to, I want to be sure um, this is silly, but I want to be, but if you don't do it, you know, Murphy's Law, you're going to get burned. I want to be sure that I have the name correct. So that's, if the person, if I'm giving the name David James, it's really James David. Yeah. So I want to make sure that I have the name correct. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is I want to make sure that the information that the attorney gave me a reference to like an address or um, some other kind of identifiers like their date of birth or something like that. I'm going to make sure that that's correct. So I'll do my own um, database search. I mean, some of them are so inexpensive. It's just worth it to do it. Right. And if they give me an address, you know, 124 Mockingbird Lane, you know, I want to make sure I had the same address because even though, you know, I'm charging by the hour, I don't want to be frivolous with 
you know, going to bad addresses when I could have spent, you know, five bucks to check before I walked out the door. So yeah. I, I try to make the most of my um my my clients um you know fun be right. and especially in criminal defense because a lot of times there's a limited amount of money available for the investigator to use. Yeah. So um and I keep really good progress notes. So I'll, you know, I'll say that um, I have this person's name and then I check the name and then I check the address. I also want to get, um, also want to develop any phone numbers I can. And I want to differentiate between the um, the house phone and the cell phone. And I also want to get um, uh, any email addresses I can. And um, I don't know about you, but let me think. I have one, two, three, four. I have four uh, uh, email addresses, and then I have a fifth one that I never use. Right. So, and I'll I'll tell you why that's important. So, I want to gather up all the um, email addresses that I can. So, um, next, I will. Um, Google, do a, a Google search of the address because I want to know what the address looks like before I get there. I had a case in Philadelphia where I had an address. I drive up. It's a um, it's a tower uh, 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 project building and I didn't have the apartment number, you know, and so I'm looking for a uh, 25 year old black male to come out the door. Right. Good luck. <laughs> Building. Yeah. So a 12 year old girl from that yeah. distance looks like a 25 year old black girl. Right. You know, so um, I want to know uh, if it's an apartment. Now I want to develop the apartment number before I go. Um, if it's if it's a home, if it's a residence, you know, I want to see, you know, if it's if it's a cul-de-sac. Um, I want to I want to look in. um um, not only Google Earth to see like like the streets, the way in, you know, the way in and out. Right. Um, but I also want to look at um, a Google image at a house. If if there's a dog house in a yard, they have a dog. Oh, yeah. OK. Um, uh, if they have a garage and you don't see any cars, you can't assume that nobody's home, you know, because the car could be in the garage. Correct. So those are some of the things that, and I'm sure I'm not thinking of everything, but those are some of the things that I want to look at, you know, like if, if there's a fence mm-hmm. and you have to go into the fence to get to the door, you know, those are just some of the things I want to look at again before I go, because I want to figure out, you know, um, you know, where do I need to park? Um, are you doing, um, cool- do you do social media profiling on witnesses? Oh, or no? I was going to get to that too. So um, I, I want to finish this because yeah, I'm sorry. I want this to be, no, 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 fine. Uh, this is important for folks. Like if it's a cul-de-sac, uh, so there's, there's basically one way out. That means I want to drive up and drive around and have my car facing out. Keep the motor running. <laughs> right. Right. Depending on the neighborhood, you might have to. So, um, so I want to do that. And then the next thing I do is, um, I want to check social media. Uh, this actually came up on something yesterday. 
or two days ago. Um, I want to check social media and I want to see if I can find a person on uh, Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or something like that. And so um, um, I have a dummy account on, um, on Facebook that has nothing to do with investigations. And so um, uh, my dummy account has thousands of friends and uh, I have this appearance of being a um, some kind of a, a, a celebrity, a who's who celebrity type. And so if I go to friend somebody, um, they say, oh, you know, why would this, you know, celebrity guy want to friend me? Yeah, of course. Right. You know, he's cool. He's got cool friends. Yeah, I'll, I'll friend him. Um, so that way, if they have a, a, a private profile, I'll be able to see in their profile. Um, if it's, if it's, uh, we were talking about criminal defense. Mm -hmm. So let's say like the incident happened six months ago and they were involved in an attempted murder. Right. So I'll look back through their profile and their postings and, you know, maybe on that day or the next day, they'll say something like, Hey, I, you know, I got some trouble last night. I really shouldn't have did what I did, you know? And they'll, they'll not only give you, uh, Facebook is just people telling on themselves, to be honest. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they'll, they'll just give you clues on who they are and what yeah. to ask. Yeah. What books they like, and, what movies they like, things like that. You know, right. the, the one thing I just want to interject a, a little bit on this, because sure. it is, it is a tight topic um, as far as the friend requesting on, on social media and just something to keep in mind. Um, you know, whatever state you're in, you, you want to follow guidelines on that. Um, yes. And, uh, you know, often uh, you're an, an extension of the attorney you're working for, and they have guidelines on, on them not being able to, to send friend requests or have direct contact. So witnesses, all right, it's debatable. Defendants, I really wouldn't oh, do it. Yeah, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't do that. Just not, but only for witnesses. Yeah, so, so just, you know, kids' gloves on those situations. Um, you know, I would say we're not attorneys. Uh, at least I'm not an attorney. Uh, but I would say, you know, you, you want to be careful on that um, ethically, uh, making sure that you're not crossing over because that could come back and, and haunt you, right? If you're testifying in court, um, you know, next thing you know, they're pulling out like in New York, I mean, there's opinions, the New York state bar association has opinions on, on how you shouldn't do that. Uh, and it could just, it can make it look bad, even though you develop the information that's helpful and whatever that person had to say was helpful, the way you got it could become problematic. So definitely you want to stay on top of that stuff and let the situation of who you're talking to and why you're talking to them dictate how you're approaching that. So I just wanted to interject that and make sure folks yeah, understand that. And that's a, that's a very good point. Um, also, um, probably I would say more often than not, I just use their, their, uh, Facebook profile just so that I know what they look like. Yeah. yeah. So I went to, um, a woman's door on Memorial day knocked on the door and she came to the window and I called her by her first name. Right. He was shocked, but I knew what she looked like because, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> these are tricks You're creating the comfort level, you know, it's right. Definitely. Right. And so I had another person, I knocked on her door and I said, um, you know, I'm looking for Stephanie. And she says, Stephanie's not here. And I pulled out her picture from Facebook and I said, 
this is you, Stephanie. And I always speak truth to people. Yeah. Uh, again, to a, a, a the, the one I was talking about on Monday, I went down and knocked on the door. A woman came to the window. She identified herself. And I told her I was there because she had um, ID'd somebody uh, in a photo array. And then she went down to the police station and she ID'd them again. And she said, I don't remember and I don't know what you're talking about. And I said to her, you do. You know, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, I wasn't rude about it, yeah, but I told her, yeah. like, I'm I'm not I'm not accepting that. Like, um, <laughs> um, you know, because if you went to ID somebody in a, you know, a photo line, I mean, in a, uh, you know, in a booth, in a dark booth, looking through glass, you're not going to forget, yeah. you know, so. Um, it's okay to, you know, call BS on people and then keep it moving. I mean, don't be rude, please. Right. Don't, I'm not, I'm not ever suggesting to be rude or be a bully. I just said, you know, really nice. I said, no, you remember, honestly, you remember. And so, you know, once we got past that, she was, she was okay. Yeah. We ended up having a conversation. Uh, that, that's good, man. That's uh and again, yeah. you, you, you turned a potentially, problematic situation into a, vi a win for you, a victory based upon, yeah. you know, really the tone of your voice, yeah. you know, and your mannerisms, which, yeah. you know, th those are skills that, you know, you either have them or you don't. Uh, and they're so, so important, especially when you've got a witness who I'll tell you whatever you want to hear, but I'm not signing anything. Right. We get that sometimes. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. and you, you got to start the negotiations, you know, it's like, Hey, do you really want to take a day off from work? You know, they're going to throw a subpoena at you. You think your boss is going to pay you? Probably not. You know, why don't we just get this out of the way now? And I'm, I'm telling you, like, what you're, what you're signing here is probably going to resolve the matter. And no, you're not going to hear from anybody ever again. You know, like. You know, you know what works for me? Um, I haven't done that. But you know what works for me? Um, when I get somebody who doesn't want to give a written statement, they just want to talk to me. So after we get finished with them telling me the same thing, repeating themselves over and over again, but they don't want to get recorded the same. And I say, okay, so let me repeat what you said, because I'm going to have to go back and tell my boss. And he's like, yeah. okay. Yeah. And so I will purposefully screw something up. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Remember, I said, I said, oh, okay, okay. Let me start back from the very beginning. You said to me that you were on the east corner, west corner. Okay. You want the West Corner. I'm really good at this. You want yeah. the West Corner, and then you frustrate them. And then I, you know, I'm writing it down. I'm like, shucks, I'll stop in the middle. I'm like, you know, you got me writing all this stuff down. You know, my boss is going to send me back. You know, he's going to have questions. You know that he's going to say, well, how do I know that you got this straight? Yeah. He's going to make me come back two or three times. I don't, I don't want to disturb you. I appreciate you just talking to me and let me know. Just do me a favor. It'll make me look good if you let, let's let's just write this out. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, they will. Yeah. So here's a something I always do too. Like I like to let them know how important they are, you know, and uh, really, you know, put them in the story. You know, because you did this, now we're going to be able to probably resolve this matter, you know, make him feel VIP, right? That's a, 
another trick. Um, I get really cautious when um, you start throwing the S word out, right? Subpoena. You know, you don't want to start threatening somebody like, hey, well, you know, I'm just going to be back with a subpoena. That never ends well for anybody, right? I never, I, I don't because I figure um, it's one thing to say that they're going to send me back to ask you again and maybe I got it mixed up and they want to send me back to ask me again. But I think people know that, A, they probably won't really get a subpoena. But if they do, they could just simply, you know, lose a day at work and say, I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. I don't you, remember. you don't want them to be combative, right? And uh, so the way I approached that, I was like, it could happen, right? You could choose not to, to tell me, but it could be my side. It could be the other side because the other side knows who you are. You know, maybe they're the bad guys and they're going to make you go to court. I'm not going to do it. You know, we don't have any intentions of doing that, right? It's another way. At this time, nobody has any intentions of having any, you, having you have any further involvement, right? I like to say that as opposed to you're never going to hear me from me again. You're never going to see me again. Because when they do have those follow-up questions or you need to re-interview or you need to contact a guy to facilitate a deposition, he's like, what the heck are you calling me for? You said you were, I was never going to see you again, right? Now you've got a problem, right? Uh, so you don't want that to to backfire on you. And I have seen in certain situations where attorneys have subpoenaed somebody who did not want to cooperate. And then they have me follow up like a week or two later saying, hey, I understand you got hit with the subpoena. I'm sorry that happened. There's a way to get out of this if you would like to take the time to uh, you know sit down and talk with me, we can do that. And now in the world of Zoom, where you know you can do things remotely, now I don't know how much longer, but you could do it remotely. That makes it even easier. I don't even have to come out and bother you and sit down. Like we can do it online at your convenience, whatever time you get home from work. You know, take ten minutes and let's just bang this thing out, right? So you have that opportunity now with technology, which is pretty neat. Um, you know, the other yeah. thing I want to talk about is. Um, do you have the statement notarized? Um, now, I'm a notary. Everybody that works for me is a notary. Um, it's something our policy is all statements notarized. Uh, but not every attorney requires that. Um, you know, and again, it it depends on the situation. My experience has been that if you, if you do not notarize a statement, it cannot be used as an exhibit uh, for a motion for summary judgment or something like that. It, it, it's not an affidavit. It's just basically someone's version of it. And it, it, you, you've pretty much guaranteed them that they're going to get called in to testify on something because uh, you can't use that particular statement to close anything out. Uh, wh what's been your experience with that? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a notary as well. And um, uh, I think I only had one attorney one time asked me to get, you know, have the statement notarized. Um, I'm thinking of some other cases that there were, um, um, there were some other circumstances. Like I had a case with, with um, some migrant workers, uh, their um, uh, English wasn't their first language. Right. So they wanted those statements, you know, notarized. I'm, I'm glad you bring that up. We're going to we're going to hit another point next. So okay. yeah, so well, I, I haven't that hasn't been my experience, and and I know that um, my experience has been that 
um, the the defense attorney has these statements and they go to the solicitor and they say, hey, you know, you know, we had these statements, you know, let's negotiate. Yeah. And that and that's been enough. Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking about the the few times that I've had to testify and it hasn't been an issue whether the statement and, and that might be more, you know, like like in New York or other states where it may be more important. I do have the capability and if you know, if my attorney wants to notarize this yeah. problem. It's standard practice for us because you know, a, a trial attorney told me very early on when I started my business, he's like, always get them notarized. And always put this following phrase at the end of the statement. <clears throat> I have read the statement and under the penalty of perjury, it's true to the best of my knowledge. It's an acknowledgement, right. right? That That is making it an official affidavit just by adding that, that verbiage there. And, but you know, sometimes you get the blowback perjury. What is that? Like, I'm not signing anything that says perjury on it. It's like, no, 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 no. This is, this is the procedure. This is what needs to be in there. You know, um, you know, it's, it's just required. So we're able to use it in court is basically what I, what I tell them. Right. And it, nine times out of 10, it's not a problem. Um, yeah. and, and it's just, it's really important. It's, it's basically taking your work product to an, the next level. You know, yeah. it's like, because that attorney could come into the, uh, a problem of, Oh man, this statement is great, but it's not notarized. Like I've had that happen too, where I'll get an account because the investigator prior to me took a bang up statement, but never got notarized. Like yeah. now I have to go, and, and do that. I had a case, it was like a $15 million case and the star witness gave a statement seven years prior and it was never notarized. So I had to like hunt this guy down and, um, I had to convince him again. again. And he's like, I already did this. I was like, I know you already did it and I apologize, but we need to have it notarized. And could you please do this? And it, you know, it took me probably about two months to convince the guy. I mean, he really was avoiding me. He owned a business. He's a busy guy. And it was just like, you know, he told me like, okay, if you can be here in two hours, and it was like Friday, if you can be here in two hours, uh, Friday at seven o'clock, meet me here. Uh, I'll, I'll sign this thing for you, man. I jumped in my car. I told my wife, like, I'm out. <laughs> I gotta yeah, get this yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I'll, make, I'll be back <laughs> tucking the kids. <laughs> so, um, and it, yeah, it was, it was crazy. So I wanted to, to go back around to the, um, uh, the witnesses that don't speak English or have a poor command of English. Um, mm -hmm. and how do you approach that? Uh, what's the, the right way to do that? I always like to try and have a translator with me. I just did one literally like two weeks ago with Mandarin, you know, which oh, okay. you come, come across that in New York, right? Now, I don't speak Mandarin. I don't even know what, like, the characters of, of that language on a piece of paper. You know, it, it could be Greek for all I know, right? It doesn't make sense to me. But I have somebody who I trust who um, I, I gave them a set of questions, probably about 20 questions or so. Contact the witness, um, interview them. She came back to me with the responses. I went back to her with some further questions. And we, we basically did this interview, like at the three, three people, right? And I then drafted the statement in English. I asked her to, to convert this into Mandarin, which she did. And then we brought the statement to the gentleman, had him read it in Chinese, um, Mandarin, and uh, signed the Mandarin copy and also signed the English copy. 
Now, the English copy, it basically states that this is a translated version of the Mandarin. <laughs> so they go hand in hand. <laughs> Can't have one without the other, right? They got to go together. And it's got the guy's signature on both. And there were photos. He signed the photos. Um, and, uh, you know, when you get in situations like that, because I've done Mandarin, I've done Polish, obviously Spanish. My staff, most of them speak Spanish, so that's not an issue. Um, we're able to do things on the fly with them. But I always say, you know, you got to have the statement in English and also have it in um, whatever language it is, and and an affidavit from the investigator that they prepared both statements, and you know that they translated it, and they, like as get as much authenticity as you possibly can, um, because mm-hmm. if there's ever any questions later on, you got a chair to sit in when the music stops. I mean, that's the way I approach things, anyways. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I. I'm at my desk, so I wanted to show you something that I have that's really cool. I don't know if you can see it, but um, so it's a wearable translator. So I put this in my ear, right? And I give this one to the person I'm trying to talk to, uh, and they can put it in their ear. And I let them, you know, I'll clean it off or whatever. And then I select the language that I want. Um, and it, I think there's like a hundred languages. That's awesome. So, so say like it's Mandarin Chinese. So I yeah. give it to him and I say, hello, how are you? And in Mandarin Chinese, it automatically says, hi, how are you in Mandarin? So it's just, it's initially, it's initially for the comfort level. So like I, I keep it with me because I never know when I'm going to have somebody that has a language issue. However, when I do have somebody with it, you're going to have to go back. Let's, yeah. let's just start with, yeah. this is going to be a two trip, right? Yeah. Yep. So especially if you don't know, but if you have this and then you say, Hey, listen, let's have a conversation. And then mm-hmm. you can say to them, um, um, and you say it in English, but they're hearing it in Mandarin. Yeah. You understand that I don't, I don't speak Mandarin, but I'm able to communicate with you with this device. What is that? What is that device called? Where did you get it? It's called wearable translator, Mm -hmm. Uh, wearable translator. And it's like this egg and or iPod. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you plug them in and then um, it has a little charger there, standard charger. Cool. And um, let me see if I can find a, Oh, it's like a hundred languages, but anyway, I, it, it's just to like get the conversation going because if you don't know that somebody has, um, if you don't know that you're going to have language barriers, but you have this, and you can, you know, you can start the conversation. Then, um, you know, you can always start the conversation and then, you know, then come back to it. Right. Um, like, you know, you get the basics because you may find out that before you get, you know, your translator and, and some of the other stuff together, you may find out that, you know, really they they just they just can't say anything to help. This is how it looks inside the pod Very cool. before you close it and then you close it and then you put it on the charger. Fantastic. And there are different apps and stuff that you can, you can yeah, use as yeah. well. Um, Okay, so we're going to wind down over here. Um, Eric, thank you so much. This was really, really cool. Um, I'm sure we could go on for another hour or so talking about uh, oh, yeah. experiences and techniques and stuff. So how do folks get a hold of you if um, if they need to contact you? 
do we have a moment? I just want to say one more thing that I think is important. And if you keep this in mind, I think this will help when you're going out to talk to folks. Any investigation that you work, I don't care what database you use and what address you find, any investigation you work, you're going to put something in somebody's hands. You're going to take something from their hands. You're going to give them some information or they're going to give you some information. So how do you do that most comfortably? You're either going to give them information or put something in their hands. They're going to give you information or put something in your hands. And if you always have that in mind, you won't rely on the telephone. You won't rely on the database. You won't rely on somebody else's word. You have to be comfortable talking to people. You have to make them feel comfortable giving you something and taking something from them. Right. You're always going to have to do that. And if you can get comfortable doing that, then you'll see that you'll start to get better and better. Yeah, that's good Company stuff. Company is Devan and Associates. We're in Columbia, South Carolina. Spelled out all one word, devanassociates.com. And the phone number is 803-447-3492. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. And we'll catch everybody next week on the next episode. Take care. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for having me. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure to reach out to Matt or Eric if you have additional questions. We hope you take these pointers and form your own style on how to get the perfect statement. We thank Nally, Crosstrex, Merlin Locate, NCISS, and Scope Now for sponsoring the show. Please support these great sponsors. And check out the investigatorstoolbox.com. You can join it through the app available on iOS and Android platforms. You'll be able to access the whole site right from your smartphone. There's no better time than today to finally sign up for the site. 49 cents a day, you can take advantage of some great networking, training, and data resource management. And use code PIP201836 to save an extra $20. If you have a question or comment about the show, email Matt at MatthewS at SatellitePI.com. You can also find him on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. He'd like your feedback to bring you the best shows possible. And we'll be back on Monday with a new show, so make sure you tune in and stay safe out there.